Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. Bless You Boys is your home on the SB Nation platform for all things Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, as always, my co-host, or as almost always, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going? Not too bad. I think, yeah, almost always is a pretty fair assessment. Yeah, usually, you know, I mean... There are many demands on your time. Everybody wants you, and you know, I'm just some. Sometimes I'm just stuck in my lonely <laughs> corner here. Like somebody talk baseball to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I try. I try, and usually I succeed. So here I am. Episode what? Thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Yeah, we've we've made a solid commitment night tonight to uh, not talk about the Tampa Bay Rays at all, if possible. <laughs> you never know, though. I mean, in the middle of uh, in the middle of the show, the Rays might do something. There might be a deal. Somebody's got to make some moves. Some sort of Chris Archer colonnade trade deal going down. No, we're, we're no. I promise we won't do this. Yeah, exactly. So we got it out of our systems early. Now we'll carry on. Yep, and I mean. You know, there's just over two weeks left in spring training. Um, the Tigers made a lot of cuts um, earlier this week. And so what we kind of figured we'd do tonight is kind of run through um, some of the roster battles that are going on and take them sort of position group by position group. Um, so we're going to talk about those. Um, we have a bunch of listener questions that we will get to. Um, and there's probably a couple other little random topics that will come up along the way, but that's sort of the agenda tonight. Um, before we get going, I wanted to, um, to mention again that we have set up a Patreon site, and you can head over there to www.patreon.com backslash bless you boys. And if you pledge to us and become a patron, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, basically, you know, any, anything you can you can do, there's a $1 level, $3 level, $5 level. Um, you can go above that if you want to. That'd be awesome. Um, we are kind of working out some tiers as to what kind of rewards will come with those. Um, we're trying very hard not to do the thing where there's like, constant insider content being put up on the patreon page and you're not seeing it on the regular site um that's not going to happen but we probably will do a few special features over there um for people who who donate at the three dollar tier or above um right now we're kind of figuring we're going to do a monthly minor league podcast um probably with me and rob and then maybe you know trying to bring in chris brown or some of the other um sort of farm system experts that we know well um emily walden um, is probably going to be on the show in a couple weeks and she might be another one that we'll try to bring on throughout the season um and then rob is also thinking of doing a um a mailbag um once a month where he takes um, all the patrons questions and kind of does a q a with those so those are a few of the, the you know kind of like the early ideas we've been batting around um we're still kind of trying to sort it out and we are looking for ideas on that um you know a lot of you are out on the internet all the time. You may know some other Patreons that you're a patron of. And if you've seen some, you know, kind of interesting content ideas or things that you can, um, that we could do for you guys um, to make it worth your while to donate to us, that would be much appreciated. Um, you can leave those comments on the on the, pe- the podcast site. Um, bless you, boys. Um, so, yeah. That's kind yeah, of the deal. We try not to, like, bombard it. And we're, I think we're, we're, our mission is to stick with, like, the one, three, and five levels. Like, we don't, don't want to, like, be like, like here's for, you know, $100 <laughs> a month, we'll, like, write, write <laughs> recaps from your house. Right. Brandon um, Brand will write a recap from your house and then paint it for you afterward. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we can do my, like, stream of conscience, re- conscience recaps and uh, I'll do them from your house out loud. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that sounds great. $100 a month, month level. Yeah. Um, yeah Readings of your latest novel and stuff like that. For fifty dollars a month, I will just uh, sit at your house and tweet all day. Uh, some really exciting stuff we got coming out there. Yeah, insider content right there. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so th- that's a that's the Patreon. Um, feel free to do that if you would like. We'd appreciate it. Um, we do have some, you know, some thoughts about you know trying to come up with contests and things like that, which we've done in the past on the site, um, but haven't really been able to do so much in the past year or so. Um, it, you know, if we get a lot of support there, that would help on that front as well. So I'll throw that out there, and yeah, feel free to do what you will or not, and that's perfectly fine either way. Um, we really appreciate everyone listening. Um, the the rebooted podcast has gotten a pretty good reception so far, and we're pretty thankful for that. So we are listening to you guys. Um, we do want want your criticism, your suggestions, um, your unadulterated praise and worship. All of those things are good. We'll accept all of them. You speak for yourself. I just want the praise. I am. I'm on on Twitter at ninety feet from home. Please, <laughs> please come tell me how much you love me. No other comments are welcome. <laughs> Everything else will get you banned and blocked. <laughs> Everything <laughs> else can be directed to Brandon. <laughs> yeah, feel free. Bring it on. I, I can take it. It's all right. I'm having a good night because, uh, as I was telling Ashley, I was just uh, actually chatting with young Mr. Daniel Norris um, about Japanese woodblock printmaking um, and kind of suggesting some places he could go. He could kind of go to further his interest in that subject. And um, he's just an interesting guy that way because uh, I've actually suggested a few things like that. And Daniel will usually write you back. Um, if you're if you're nice and have something, you know, you want to you want to point out, um, he's, he's a guy of many interests. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. It's always nice when, uh, when you can kind of connect with a player a little bit and talk to him about something other than baseball. So that was fun. He is a man of many complex and deep interests. I almost wonder if Daniel isn't, like, maybe too smart to be a baseball player deep down. I feel (laughs) like he's just maybe got too much going on in his head to, like, you know, sometimes he'll get out to the mound and he'll be thinking about, like, I wonder if that portrait I took last week is going to turn out and should it have been better if I did it in color and, you know, meanwhile... <laughs> just, just focus and throw the ball. Like, I know, I know. He's thinking about a homeless person he helped out in Washington and took some pictures of and stuff yeah, like that, and worrying and about like, him. Yeah, I don't know. know. Opening a free sandwich shop or something. Like, I think maybe as wonderful as that is, he might just be slightly too complex for the sport. Yep, I love it though. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely definitely not your average cat out there throwing the ball. So yeah, we're gonna be uh, rooting hard for him. And so far, he's he's having a nice spring. He looks really good. So. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the debate between starting pitching and, and the bullpen roles that are, that are slowly being decided. So, and I have, I have thoughts on that matter. So oh, I'm sure you do. So yeah, let's, um, let's do a quick rundown here. Um, Rob, Jackie, our, our managing editor, um, put an article up on the site today, kind of about the cuts that went on, um, yesterday. And there were quite a few guys, that were kind of set um, sent on different assignments. Um, I know Mike Gerber was sent to AAA Toledo, and I think there were 11 players total cut for Major League Camp. Um, Jake Rogers, I believe, was sent down to oh, where was he sent? Double A, actually. He was Double A. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, so Eduardo Jimenez is going to High A Lakeland. Um, he was dominant last year for the Whitecaps, um, despite our suspension, kind of early in the season. Had a great year, so that's no surprise that he would step up a level. Um, Sandy Baez and Victor Alcantara heading to Double A Erie. Um, one listener did ask uh, a question that I'll just hit right now. Um, he was kind of mentioning like which which guys that were sent down would you rather have seen stay in camp? And um, probably the number one guy I had in mind was Sandy Baez, just because I think Sandy Baez could probably become a reliever right now, and I'm still I think there's still a lot of um, there's a lot of work to be done for him to, to be able to be a starting pitcher and utilize three pitches um, regularly. He's a guy who I would kind of like to have seen a little bit deeper into camp, um, especially as he'd start facing more complete lineups. And um, 
you know, we'll see how it goes this year for Sandy. Um, he might actually, I could see him getting called up. Um, you know, the Tigers had to add him to the 40-man, I think it was two two years ago, to um, protect him from the Rule 5 draft. So he's getting a little long in the tooth for an international signing. Um, at some point, they're going to need to get him up and start using him. But, um, yeah, it looks like they're going to send him back down to double-A, see how he does there. Um, there's probably some things Chris Bazio and he have worked on this spring that they want to see if he can implement. But um, don't be surprised to see Mr. Baez come back um, sometime this year in a relief role. Possibly. Oh, yeah, especially with like the pretty thin depth that the Tigers have right now in relief. There's, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of these guys that we've seen in spring camp make appearances this season. Yep, definitely. And there's, you know, and a lot of times teams end up using 10 or more starters during a year, and we don't really have that much depth there. So, yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. You never know. The Tigers have said they don't want to call up um, – Franklin Perez or Bo Burrows this year, um, they don't want to push them that hard, but you never know, you know, in a pinch, if one of them's going really well, it might not be a bad time to make their major league, major league debut for a start and then go back down. Um, you can control their service time without any trouble, if, even if you do that. Um, yeah. So if they're doing well anyway. So yeah, we might see that. Um, and then let's see, da, 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 some of the minor league, the non-roster invitees. We're cut from camp, but they haven't been assigned anywhere yet. Um, Enrique Burgos, who kind of banged himself up, it sounded like yesterday. Um, Kevin Comer and Mike and Mark Montgomery, who were both uh, minor league free agent reliever signings, who haven't really done that much um, in camp. And then, as we said before, catchers Arvacent um, Perez and Jake Rogers have both been sent down. Um, Rogers going to Double A Erie, and maybe Perez along with Grayson Griner, who is going to Toledo. They might both um, be the tandem there. But um, we'll just have to see what the Tigers do with kind of their excess because they're still Brian Pena, they're still Derek Norris. Yeah, um, Pena, I feel like they may even transition into a coaching role. Like, it's it's hard to say, but, you know, the Tigers do love to give jobs to their former catching staff. Like, just look at Gerald Laird's coaching, what is he, double A? coach or is he high a? I can't remember because they switched um, them all around this year <laughs> yeah I'll tell me because they did make so many changes but I know he is in the Tiger system as a manager um and I, I feel like even if you put Pena in as like your standard your your bullpen catcher or so they're gonna find a place for him but I don't feel like it's gonna be a place where we see him much in in action in the game yeah but I feel like they're going to try to find some role for him just because he is such a kind of a beloved figure. And he even said earlier in camp that he was feeling a lot more of that mentorship role, which it kind of harkens to that whole um, Mike Pelfrey thing where he was saying that he was feeling a lot of that and then kind of got pushed into retirement as a result. So, yeah, I, I, I think you could see something like that happen with Pena this season where they find some sort of a, a player coach role for him that's really just a coaching gig yeah even um you know even if they have gerber i'm sorry griner and perez at triple a you can have three catchers there especially if one of them is there kind of kind of more like you said to kind of just shepherd the the younger guys teach them some of the finer points um especially working with the catchers and and pitching staff so well where do you think do you think saltalamakia makes the team now that he's back as a, a minor league signing Instead of somebody like Pena, like he's not obviously he was never great when he was with the team. But where do you see it? Like, do you see a, a Derek Norris getting the, the shot over Salty or do you see Salty having been brought in so that the Tigers could kind of lean away from Norris? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Derek Norris has really struggled behind the plate, like his his defensive skills, which used to be, you know, reasonably good. Just he just doesn't look 
um, sharp at all back there. He's, he's been kind of a mess, actually, and th- there's really never been enough with the bat to um, to keep him around if he's not doing a good job behind the plate. So, I, I mean, right now it really feels like John Hicks um, is kind of the guy to be the backup. Um, oh, yeah, right? I, I, think I think it's his to lose for the, the major league level. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been singing his praises pretty strong. Um, you know, Hicks hasn't necessarily been that impressive a defensive catcher either, but he has improved a good bit. It does seem like he's, he's worked really hard on it over the past year since we've got our paws on him. And, you know, the dude can hit um, compared to, you know, Derek Norris, compared to probably what you're going to see from Jared Salsalamakia, um, I, I'd much rather have Hicks there. You can kind yeah. of, you can spot him in at first base for Miggy. Um, so he, he yeah, has that's that flexibility. Like, he has that first base experience and he did well last year in those spot first base starts. So yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, the, a lot of the, the advanced stats will tell you he was lucky to a, a, a fairly high degree last year, but um, even, even without that, um, he was still swinging the bat pretty well. So yeah, it seems like he'd be the, he'd be the guy. And, you know, I, I assume like Saltzalamakia, they kind of just added because all these guys were hanging out over at the spring camp, which was about to close. And it was just kind of like, well, you know, we know him, you know, let's, let's bring him over and just see how he's looking and stuff. I, I it's hard to imagine they're going to do anything with him other than put him at AAA for, for depth in place of Pena. Um, I, I don't yeah. think Norris is making the team at this point. And obviously, you know, there are plenty of reasons not to be um, upset if he's sent packing. So yeah, that's crap. Yeah. Real, real <laughs> I know you'll be upset. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that pretty much, you know, covers the, the catcher spot at the moment. Um, it doesn't really seem like anybody else is really going to challenge Hicks at this point. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Saltzlamaki has got more in the tank than I, than I think he did. But when he was healthy, the one year we had him, he was good for a couple weeks and then he just seemed to wear down almost instantly. So, Yeah, he, there was nothing terribly inspiring that season aside from a couple of really good like clutch moves that he made. But definitely nothing to, to warrant him being a standard backup catcher, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, it, it's James McCann's job. We, You know, we did get to see Jake Rogers quite a bit. And I have to say, like, Jake Rogers looks so damn good behind the plate. I'm almost tempted to, to just have him called up this year. Um, watching him lead Joe Jimenez the other day um, when Jimenez struck out the side, I think against the Mets, I want to say. I can't remember exactly if it was the Mets. But, uh, you know, he just led him beautifully. Um and the two of them looked like they were working really well together. So it was it was pretty easy to see um, what the Tigers see in Jake Rogers as, as a defender, especially. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited, excited to see more, more of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, all right, let's move on to the bullpen where, I mean, we basically have Shane Green and Alex Wilson locked in. So that's two of the seven guys. And I think you can pretty much lock in Daniel Stump because um, Chris Bosio has been just raving about him. He's having a nice spring. Um, so that's three guys, and then they've decided that they're going to move Buck Farmer finally to a bullpen role, and I would assume uh, Buck Farmer does, oddly enough, have an option left just because of some weird kind of rule thing about the way the Tigers used his service time. But, um, so does Blaine Hardy, right? Blaine Hardy still has an option left. I, I think he does. Yeah, Drew Verhagen doesn't. So that kind of gets you, you know, Green, Wilson, Stumpf, Buck Farmer, probably Drew Verhagen, who's having a nice spring for the most part um, and has been striking guys out a little bit more and is still kind of kind of vaguely showing some signs with the slider and stuff. He looked good on Tuesday. He had a really nice, like, three up, three down out inning, so. Yeah, didn't he go through, I think he went through the heart he of the Yankees order. He went through the big order, boys. He? Yeah. He, he got through, um, through Sanchez, Stanton, and uh, Judge. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah, struck a couple out, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so that's that's good. I mean, I've always, um, I don't know, this has kind of been an ongoing point of discussion today, but I've always kind of been 
a Drew Verhagen non-believer because I just hate his curveball and just don't really feel like he has a major league league breaking ball. But he started working on a slider last year that um, was kind of blunt at first. But the couple times I've seen him has looked a little better this spring. And so there's still, you know, there's still a chance. He had that thoracic outlet um, surgery. I think it was 2016. So he's not that far removed from it. So there's still kind of a chance that there might be a little bounce back for him. And if he's got that slider, eh, you, you know, you might have something there. So we're at five there. That's five relievers. I think you can pretty much guarantee. And then it seems like you would take Hardy, doesn't it? I think you would under normal circumstances. Hardy hasn't been fully healthy this spring yet. Like he's had, he's had some issues and we haven't seen much of him or any, have we seen Hardy in a game yet? Nope, yeah. I haven't pitched yet. So he's he's obviously not going to start with the team. But So, so yeah, yeah, part of me thinks that you're going to see him start the season in AAA because he's got the option. Um, and then you'll absolutely see Blaine Hardy pitch in relief this year for the Tigers. Like, there's no question about that at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Blaine Hardy makes the team. He'll be in your 40-man. Uh, but he'll still start the season in Toledo. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, just kind of let him ramp up and see how it goes. Um, the thing about that is that, okay, so there's two spots without Blaine Hardy in there. And they don't have another lefty really available. Um, it really feels like Ryan Carpenter, who I believe was sent to AAA today, um, and has had a really nice spring, but he's a starter. And it kind of feels like, especially with them converting Buck Farmer to relief, they really need Carpenter um, at AAA. Um, they're going to you know, they're gonna need someone to come in and take some starts. Yeah. So, and maybe they don't care. Uh, maybe I haven't looked at the schedule enough to see what kind of, um, you know, like lefty heavy lineups they might be facing um, right out of the gate, but maybe they'll just not worry about that um, and just go with just Stump as their lone lefty and kind of make it work otherwise. And then, so those two final spots, and I, I mean, I have to think Joe Jimenez, who is having a nice spring and has, has made a few changes to his repertoire, which um, I'll have an article about on the site tomorrow is looking pretty good, and you know they want him in there. Um, at some point this year, they're going to really need Joe Jimenez because you have to assume you know Shane Green's getting traded. Probably Alex Wilson, if he's having a good year, is going to end up getting traded at the deadline, and, and this bullpen could just be god-awful. Yeah. So they're really going to have to depend on Joe Jimenez to, to, to yeah, try to pick no, it up this year. I, I would agree with you there. I think that you see him come up. Uh, I think, based on what we've seen out of him this spring, he's he's going to do better than he did last year for sure. It was a, such a shame last year because he did so well in the World Baseball Classic. Like, he was just shining through those games. And then he came on, and we were s- expecting that level of performance at the big leagues, and it just kind of faltered. Yeah. And I think I think the bummer of that is, had we not seen him do so well in the WBC and seen those, like, beautiful little glimmers of amazingness, that we would have been like, oh, okay, the kid's just having a rocky start. But instead it was like, oh, who is this person that's body swapped with Joe Jimenez? (laughs) So hopefully we see a little bit more of the WBC Jimenez and a little less of the 2017 Tigers Joe Jimenez. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe just having that year to kind of let the hype burn off. Um, You know, we just, we were so starved for prospects to, to even pay attention to who might get to the major leagues that... Joe Jimenez probably got an inordinate amount of attention because we we really did need a bullpen arm. So maybe this year he can kind of fly under the radar. Um, He's a pretty intense cat. Maybe he put a little too much pressure on himself last year and was kind of overthrowing because um, reports from almost anybody I talked to said that his stuff just didn't look the same as it did um, in 2016 when he just kind of burned his way through the entire minor league system. So yeah, and he's looked much better this spring. So yeah, I mean, you got to think they want him, you know, to, to have the time to kind of 
sit back there in like the fifth or sixth, you know, roll or spot in the bullpen and, and just be able to pitch and, you know, have his bad days and his good days and, and kind of learn to work through it. So I would assume he's getting taken along, which leaves just one spot. And that's the tricky spot. Like who who is left to take that would really that really intrigues. Um, you know, there hasn't really been too many other guys really standing out um, out of the pitching staff. Well, but, Brandon. Yeah, break it down. Did, did you know that Phil Coke was at camp yesterday? I did know that. Mr. Fennick of the Free Press <laughs> mentioned that. Yeah, Phil Coke was apparently showed up to camp yesterday just to hang out and say hi to everybody. Not no. <laughs> Don't, don't worry. worry. No, sorry. No, I subset, no like subtext. No subtext. people listening to this right now. Phil Coke will not pitch for the Tigers next season. Rest easy, everyone. That was mean of me. I'm sorry. I know. I mean, Phil Coke we're... was at camp yesterday, though, but he was not there to play or to pitch for a job. Yeah, it would have been nice just to have him in camp, um, just uh, just to kind of see what he's got with this knuckleball and stuff, and mainly just to have Phil Phil Coke around. You know, it wouldn't have hurt anything. Wouldn't be burning a roster space on him. Um, yeah, the Tigers should hire Phil Coke to, you know, kind of be like a PR guy, and maybe he throws BP and um, save some of these older coaches' arms from having to throw batting practice every day. Yeah, I would love for something to happen with Phil Coke on the team. I just him and Pena can be like this one-two punch of like adorable cheeky <laughs> awesomeness, and they can just make promo videos hyping the CE team. They don't have to play. Coke can just do his awesome Miguel Cabrera impression. And uh, that would be it. I would be happy with that. I mean, what more do you need? Yeah, what more do you need from the guy than the, the Miguel Cabrera impression? Yeah, exactly. That's all I ask for. Yeah, that, that would be more than enough for me. He but, can uh, out every, every time, time there's, there's a pop, pop fly, fly and point, point at it. <laughs> yep. That'd be his job. New pop fly indicator. Phil Coke. Absolutely. I yeah. love it. You can have a special little uniform and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously Phil's not going to be, not going to be no, around. I'm sorry, I've derailed no, no. the conversation slightly, but no, Phil will not be the last slot used for the Tigers uh, bullpen, but I'm sure you have an idea of who will be. Yeah, well, I think, I, you know, I honestly don't because the, the, the real question is whether or not there's too many starters right now um, with Francisco Liriano apparently penciled in as, as a starter after two appearances for, you know, so veteran, my question veteran is, love reasons, apparently or whatever. I don't know how they deal with the Daniel Norris situation. Like based on everything I'm reading, Norris kind of seems to be the odd one out in the rotation because the lock seems to be, especially with Liriano now being kind of guardy favorited. Um, you got Zim for sure. Fulmer fears. Fires. I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce his last name before the season starts. It is fires, isn't it? Isn't it fires? I, I believe yeah, so. Probably a uh, fires. Uh, and it's not a hard-looking name to pronounce, but I managed to <laughs> fuck it up every time. Um, yeah, so you get, yeah, Fulmer, Zimmerman, Fires, Liriano, and Boyd, judging by the way things have gone this spring. And Norris kind of seems to be the one that they're not giving the starts to, that they're pushing into that relief role. And even though Bosio says that he's not shape up, shaping up to be a reliever, like he's explicitly said he's meant to be a starter but do you start him in the bullpen, like the, the major league bullpen to start the season until Hardy is better and can come back? Or do you start him in triple a where he can get reps as an actual starter and kind of like work his stuff out at a lower level? That's my question about about Norris. Yeah. Yep. And the thing, yeah. And the thing is, 
you know, Norris has actually p out pitched just about everybody. Um, spring training numbers don't mean that much, but you know, Dan I think Daniel Norris has has one walk and ten strikeouts at this point. Um, I could be a little bit off. I looked the other day, and the Tigers' website is being weird at the moment. But um, but he's he's definitely out pitched most of them. I mean, he's I mean, Mike Ferris has, has had a, or Fires has had a really tough. Yes. Yeah, See, yeah, I'm talking about for everybody. I know. He's had a really tough start. Um, you know, Liriano's looked pretty good, but, um, you know, he's only had a couple outings. Um, Fulmer's a lock no matter what. Boyd, I, you know, I, 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 you just get the feeling they like him. Um, and he's also, you know, the thing is he doesn't have any more options left, so he's kind of got to be there. Um, I've kind of advocated for Boyd to go to the bullpen in the past much more than Norris because Norris kind of has a more complete, deep repertoire of pitches. But I can understand that wanting Boyd in there. Um, but it's really annoying to think that Daniel Norris might actually get left in Toledo. Like, if there's one thing that would that would really make me fly off the handle, it would be if they... I mean, I don't really want him to go to the bullpen either, but um, we've seen some success, and Basio has actually had some success in the past, having guys pitch in relief for a little while, kind of kind of get their feet under them um, and their confidence going, and then moved them back to the rotation, and it's gone well, so... I mean, if they try to, if they decide to try to do that, I won't completely freak out. Um, it's it's just suboptimal, especially with fires, you know, kind of looking rough um, and coming off of a couple of you know consecutive rough seasons. So, yeah, you know, at that point, you kind of figure Daniels either got that that last spot, but then there's also Warwick Salpold, who um, was pretty steady last year, and you know, he's a guy that the Tigers seem to kind of like as a middle innings guy who can um, who can pitch you two or three innings when needed. And then there's also Johnny Barbato, who um, has has had a pretty nice spring as well. Isn't really striking guys out, but has has had the swing, the sinker going, and hasn't really been hit hard at all. So they have some options, but that that last spot is kind of where um, the starting rotation and the bullpen roles are kind of kind of going to collide there. Yeah, yeah, and you know they could keep Sopold in the minor leagues. They could stretch him back out to start, which might be wise because having. Ryan Carpenter down there, and I don't really know who else um, is kind of unnerving. <laughs> not sure what else we've really got to offer down there, but you know, with Farmer not in the rotation anymore, and um, you know, we've got Jordan Zimmerman's bad neck. Um, we've got Fires and Liriano, who are both older pitchers. Yeah, you know, Fulmer's coming off the surgery, although he's apparently fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's always touch and go, right? They always say they're fine at the start of the season. So we'll see and we'll hope. I mean, I'm not trying to, to wish that anybody coming back from any kind of arm surgery is never a sure thing. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, it's, a, you know, Daniel Morris, I think, spent 80 or 90 innings at AAA in 2016 and pitched really well there. And it was very frustrating. <laughs> it was just very frustrating to see those innings um, for a guy who's already had success at the major leagues get spent on the Mud Hens' behalf. So um, we're gonna have to see how that shakes out. I guess there's really nothing to do but trust that trust that uh, Chris Basio knows what he's doing and that he's the one they're listening to. So we'll just kind of have to ride with it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, we're gonna be annoyed at something that happens with the pitching staff this season. Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm already annoyed. We haven't even I know, started. It's just a yet. matter of how soon it happens, and it could be by next week for Brandon. Yep, exactly. All right, so let's move on to the outfield, where I think you know coming into camp, it kind of seemed pretty certain that it was just going to be Leonis Martin. It was going to be Victor Reyes, kind of as the backup center fielder, and maybe filling in in the corners with Nick Castellanos and right, Mikey Matuk and left, but. Yep. 
Mr. Reyes hasn't really done anything this spring. Um, has looked very unimpressive to me. Um, you know, swings the bat reasonably well as a left-hander, but still kind of looks really overmatched and kind of awkward from the right side and just hasn't really gotten anything done. Meanwhile, Jacoby Jones is just wrecking shop. Yeah, he's been he's had a really impressive spring so far. Really has. He's he's really out there, I think, trying to earn himself that job. And the problem is that he was also really good last year in spring training. Yep. So that's where my worry with Jacoby Jones lies and that he's he's done this before where you're like, oh, shit, there's our center fielder of the future. And then he hits what, like 179. I'm making that number up, but it's pretty close to reality. Like, so I'm, I'm hesitant. But I mean, he's he's a young kid. I don't see a problem with giving him the job to give him a shot at it. He would only be like backfill for the regular players. Yeah. So I'm 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 pro Jacoby. Yeah, I mean, it's just tricky because, you know, you want Jacoby Jones to have the time to hit. Um, I can't remember if it was, I don't want to disparage one of the beat writers, but someone said, no, no, I know who it was. I believe it was Pat Caputo from 97 won the ticket, who I would call out specifically for saying that Victor Reyes has a lot more upside than Jacoby Jones, which is just pure nonsense. Um, And the problem there is that Jacoby Jones has way more power potential, way more speed. He's a way better defender than Reyes. He does everything better than Reyes except make contact, um, which is, of course, an important part of the game. And so Jacoby Jones probably needs the at-bats. And that kind of leads to you kind of tending to want to leave him in Toledo where he can play every day, um, maybe get his momentum going, and then get called up. Um, Whereas Reyes, you know, the Tigers took him in the Rule 5 draft, um, first overall, and if they decide not to roster him, he goes back to the Diamondbacks, or at least is offered. So they're probably not going to want to do that. They're going to want to see this kid play a little bit. And um, the, the kind of the third-way solution to that kind of bleeds into the utility infielder um, kind of roster battle, which is that the fact that Jacoby Jones came up as a shortstop um, and played third base quite a bit as well, and it was the Tigers who really converted him into um, a center fielder where he's been brilliant. So there is the option because, you know, Nico Goodrum, Pete Cosma, Ronnie Rodriguez, none of these guys have really done anything to impress anyone. I suppose you could play uh, Jacoby Jones and kind of mix him at second base and shortstop to a degree um, and maybe even third base and then give him some starts in the outfield as well. And maybe you can piece together, you know, Just a super utility him. Yeah, and, you know, you might be able to piece together half a season of at-bats for him. Um, but to start the season, I probably wouldn't do that. I probably would leave him at Toledo as well and kind of see if he can kind of carry the spring momentum into the season. And if he can, I, you know, I'm ready to punt Victor Reyes aside already and just install Jacoby in center field, platoon him with Leonis Martin, and then just use him wherever wherever else you can. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, Jacoby Jones probably isn't. He's, he's not really good enough as as a shortstop to play every day. Um, I'll throw that out there, but playing third base, second base, shortstop, if he's kind of moving around and only doing it occasionally, um, he's got the range, he's got the arm, um, his hands are good, but not shortstop good. So he can probably hang it uh, out there for, you know, for a part-time kind of, kind of job, but um, we'll just have to see if that's something they're really considering. You know, they've been talking about versatility. I know Chris Basio was talking about how bummed he was that Travis Wood got hurt because he can kind of do multiple things. He can pitch a late innings um, role and kind of and hold a lead for you. He can pitch three innings in the middle of a game to save the bullpen. He can take a start when he needs to. Um, the Tigers do seem to at least be kind of paying attention to the idea of versatility a little bit more. So 
Jacoby yeah, that's Jones. huge for them instead of the the typical like he is my seventh inning guy, he is my loogie. Like I, I like that they're at least considering stepping outside of the box of like paint by numbers, which is nice. I am a little bit kind of bummed about Travis Wood. Like we never got to see much of anything from him. Um, I don't think he would have dazzled or anything, but it, what a shitty situation for him. Yeah, you just show, yeah. You show up to camp with your finger half off, but you're ready to go. And then you uh, tear your ACL a week later. Yeah, basically in a rundown. Like, not yeah. even, like, you know, necessarily doing anything crazy. So, yeah, that sucks. Um, there's not, just, just nothing worse than spring training injuries. Um, you just hate you just hate it. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter if it's another team. I, just, I hate seeing young pitchers blow their elbow out in the spring and anything else. I'm just watching the, the Seattle Mariners, Mariners just slowly just being whittled away before the season even begins with injuries. Oh, yeah, it's rough. They're the Mets of the spring training season this year. Yeah, and then they kind of have been, too. Like, it just kind of just always seems to bite them the way, you know, Paxton keeps getting hurt. Um, You know, Mr. Uh, oh, geez, I'm totally blanking. Uh-huh. Robinson Cano. Oh. <laughs> Robinson Cano struggled last year. He's hurt already. Nelson Cruz, I think, is a little banged up. King Felix took a line shot off his elbow and hasn't pitched for, I think, th- almost two and a half weeks now. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, it's just rough. Um, you hate to see that happen. Yeah, it's uh, spring training is tough, and it feels like we've seen more injuries this season than I've seen in previous years, but that's probably one of those like gifts of hindsight where I forget how bad it's been in previous seasons, but feels like it's been really bad this year. Yeah, yeah, the recency bias, bias can kind of bite you, but um, it does kind of feel like there have been quite a few just from the start. You know, it usually seems like it's the last week when guys ramp up that um, ligaments start just exploding spontaneously all across the league. But um, hopefully we can, we can avoid that this year. Um, so that kind of covers the roster. Um, you know, the next two weeks are kind of going to be all about, you know, th- those couple decisions that the Tigers have to make. Um, who's going to get that last bullpen spot? Um, who's the odd man out in the rotation? Uh, we we kind of figure Hicks has got catcher. And yeah, then, we really didn't talk about middle infield, like about the infield, but it's really not a lot of surprises there. You'll have Candelario at third. You'll have Iggy at shortstop. You'll have Machado at second base and Miggy at first. So that's not a lot of question marks there. Yeah, there's you know there's one more spot for a utility guy, and you know really at this point, like it seems like it's probably Ronnie Rodriguez. Yeah, absolutely. Goodrum hurt himself today. I think he had kind of a little bit of a shoulder issue. It's probably nothing major, but um, that just kind of you know, kind of puts him even a little bit further down the pecking order. Um, Pete Cosmo, you know, doesn't really have much, much to offer. Um, still a good defender. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they went with Pete Cosmo over Ronnie Rodriguez either. Um, and that would save us the flashbacks of seeing Ronnie Rodriguez, you know, kind of stance and it's, um, it's horrifying resemblance to that of Mike Avila's, but, um, <laughs> he's a different player, different guy entirely. So I'll just try to block that out. But, um, yeah, it's, that's, that's one of those spots where I just, I haven't really seen anybody do anything enough to, to warrant, like, oh, this is my job. And obviously they can't bring Sergio Alcantara with them because he needs to stay in the minor leagues and hit probably at, if not, if Lakeland, maybe double A this year. But he's still a ways away. So um, in general, like, who who has stood out to you this spring, though? It's kind of like, a, you know, one or two of the, the guys who've really stood out and, and had a nice spring and, and made an impression to you. Um, Rogers, they keep circling back to, he's looked really good. Um, Jacoby Jones has looked great. Um, yeah, he's, Jacoby Jones has drawn walks this spring. Um, that's, that's the big one. Like if he could yeah, keep that going, that would be it. So, um, 
God, it's been such a boring spring training for me. It's really hard to, and it's been tough too, because I can't listen. We've had this discussion too. I can't listen to games at work. So it's whenever I happen to be able to catch one on TV. And last time I mentioned this, about 16 people tweeted at me that the game was on TV the day that it was. (laughs) So I really appreciate that system, guys. Yeah, exactly. Ever so much for tweeting the the TV schedule at me. Well, they keep Um, changing their mind too. Like it's not scheduled and then all of a sudden it's on TV and everybody's like, oh, it's on TV. No, it's great. I super duper appreciate it. Um, Yeah, Rogers has looked really good. Um, I haven't been dazzled much by starting pitching. Um, Verhagen looked great today, but that's one game. Um, so it's hard to, to get really amped about that. Zimmerman looked great today, um, which gives me a little bit of the warm, fuzzy hopefuls. Um, Miggy hasn't looked like hot trash, which is awesome. (laughs) I mean, no, with a grain of salt, I, I am just, he hasn't hit any home runs in spring training yet, but he also hasn't been limping his way around the base paths and he's showing some patience out there and he, he looks like he's, he's trying to improve himself before he, you know, pushes too hard. Yeah. And for me, I think that's really important for a guy coming off of a back injury where he spent the entire season injured. Uh, I'd rather him be patient now and just watch the at bats and see what these guys have rather than swing for the fences when the games don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and the so. one thing that that back issue really did to him last year is he just really, he just seemed to be really, you know, he was stiff, obviously, and just couldn't use his legs. Um, you know, he's just reaching for balls, you know, at the bottom of the strike zone and, and just kind of utilizing a almost complete upper body um, swing to, to kind of drive the ball. And he has looked better in that on that front um, this spring. Even on like, the base pass, he has shown yeah. some hustle, which is, like, shocking. Yep. And it's really nice to see. Like, it's making me real happy. Yep, he's definitely looking healthier. Um, he seems, you know, in, in more kind of Miggy spirits in general. And I have seen him, like, you know, smoke a couple line drives to the wall. Um, you know, he ripped a double to clear the bases when we had the bases loaded the other day. Um so, yeah, there have been some big hits, and he's hitting the ball reasonably hard. Um, you know, we just kind of have to see if he can kind of get his timing down and, and his leg drive down to uh, drive the ball in the air again. Because, you know, if he's Miguel Cabrera, like, the way the ball is flying, you just never know. I mean, it's just so hard to know what to expect. I mean, he could hit 40 home runs, or he could be injured all year and hit 15. So, it's just a, yeah, this is kind of just stay healthy. I mean, I think that's that's all we're looking for him for, and he's done that. What do you uh, what do you think about Victor so far? Um, who's yeah, actually, actually swung the bat great? I'm I'm you know what I've in the last season, especially towards the end of last season, I was not big pro Victor. Like I I had a lot of issues with I think some of the attitude. I was also really worried about his health. Um, you don't want to see a guy forcing himself out there with a heart condition. And I think there was a small part of me that was just like, maybe his doctor just says, don't come back. And I would have been okay with that. But he's had a good spring. And, you know, I joked the other day because somebody was saying that he always hits a home run when his dad's in the park. I was like, well, what's his dad doing for the rest of the season? (laughs) Yeah. And we could just get him an apartment and have him follow the team around. Um, But no, it's, it's I don't know what's changed. I don't know if it's something in how he's playing or if he just really wants to show that he he's meant to be there. Like, I hate being that person that brings up the intangibles, right? Like, oh, he had some real hustle. Like, that heart and hustle thing is, it, it's, you know, it's so cliched. And it's not, not the, the same, same thing as mechanics at all. But I've been seeing a lot of guys out in spring training on the Tigers and on other teams where you can just taste how bad they want to be on that team. Yeah. And it, it plays 
But my issue with that sort of intangible is that what happens once you're on the team? Mm -hmm. Like, does Victor go back to being last season's Victor when he, I mean, Victor knows he's got the job, but does he, he stop caring as much when he actually starts playing? And that's my only worry. Yeah. To me, I'm not too worried about that because I really think that was kind of a combination of, of the injuries, um, you know, the pressure on the team and maybe just, you know, I mean, it's just hard. Um, it's, this is always hard for young, um, older players. You know, you see a guy like Carlos Beltran um, handle it really gracefully over the past two seasons, but a lot of guys don't. Um, you know, Victor has kind of always been regarded as a kind of hard-driving, hard-working leader on any team, you know, a really good clubhouse guy. And I have to think that, you know, constantly having to go in, um, you know, and work with the physical therapists, the massage guys, the trainers to just get himself on the field and and able to like hit off the tee and get ready for the game. You, you know, you kind of end up separated from your teammates. And especially as the Tigers have kind of started to trend younger, um, you know, some newer guys have come in over the past few years. Um, It's pretty easy to start feeling alienated um, and, and like your day is done and to have some frustration with that. So, you know, the Tigers have said, you know, and I, I believe it was, um, I believe Alavila actually did come out and directly address this, that, that they had, you know, kind of sat down with Victor and talked to him about, you know, about those kind of things and that he was just going to have to accept, you know, that he might not, you know, he might not be the everyday DH, you know, they might use him however they want to use him at this point. And um, he seemed to accept that. And you'd really hope that, you know, Victor, and I think he will, will just kind of look at this as, you know, his final year, um, his chance to leave a good impression before he, he goes out. Um, you know, with, with, the heart issue he had last year with the irregular heartbeat, um, that's the kind of thing that can creep up on a guy and really um, be a detriment to him, you know, long before they even kind of recognize and diagnose it. So it's hard to know, um, you know, if he's going to if he's going to be substantially healthier. But um, so far, he's swinging the bat well. And the thing I'd point out to people who are kind of sitting out there like, oh, God, you know, you guys going to promote Victor to us as our savior. Um, we both will tell you that Victor Martinez is going to be almost impossible to trade, even if he's having a good first half. But the thing you have to look at last year is that, um, you know, his the contact he made and the ability to draw walks and not strike out were pretty well undiminished last year. He just couldn't drive the ball in the air. Um, that's really what it came down to. The shift, you know, was really cutting into his batting average and his on-base percentage. And he just wasn't getting the pitches um, and recognizing the pitches to turn and drive out of the park. And you just never know. You know, um, 2014 was a weird season because a lot of us kind of thought he was semi-washed up then. And he just, you know, he just dialed into the pitches he needed to see that year and just crushed home runs left and right. So I'm not going to predict that, but there's still a possibility that Victor Martinez is an, an effective DH. Let's just put it that way this season. And, you know, for his sake and for the Tigers' sake, I hope so, just because it would be nice to especially for the young guys, to at least feel a, a competitive team, even if the wins aren't there. Um, there's nothing worse than just getting blown out all season, not being able to score any runs, spoiling, yeah. wasting good pitching performances. So we're going to hope uh, we're gonna hope Mr. Victor can, can get it done a little bit this year and at least kind of help out. Um, obviously, the other, you know, really impressive start has been Nick Castellanos, who just, you know, kind of seems like he's taken over as sort of the star leadership role of the team. Um, he's leading the team in home runs. He's got a what is it like a 111 OPS? So he's just he's just been mashing um, left and right out there, and you know I'm expecting a very good season from him. So that's not really a surprise probably to either of us. Yeah, no, he he looks like he's going to be great, and I make fun of Nick a lot, but he is absolutely shaping up to be the star of the team. And I'm writing I'm writing a piece on him right now. So oh, we'll, right 
Well, I'm I'm writing basically that based on the the tone of the markets right now, that should the Tigers offer him another extension because they did last season, just earlier this off season, and he said no. Or they say uh, they say that's what happened. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. the claim is there. I mean, yeah. there's we have no evidence. We don't know what he was offered, if he was offered anything. But I'm taking the the approach that should such an offer be made again, that he may be wise to take it. Yeah, yeah. When you're kind of a no glove you know, good hitter, you know, even though he's young, um, you know, you, you, the, the bucks just aren't there. I mean, we're seeing what really good hitters like, you know, Jay Bruce has gotten, you know, Neil Walker. I mean, obviously these guys are older, but, um, you know, if you're not like a, a slick defender or an absolutely dominant hitter, you're just not getting the money. And I'm not sure. Yeah. Vic, let's see. Nick will be 27 when he hits free agency. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the extension is going to have to be you know, substantial because he is going to hit free agency when he's 27 and teams will probably pay for five years of Nick Castellanos as a massive power threat, which you would expect him to kind of develop into in the coming years. So we'll have to see, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Like he's, um, he's kind of playing with fire there, especially if he can't go out there and, and play right field pretty effectively this year, he's yeah, going to be a man I mean, without a job. I think the, the desire to have guys that are just quality hitters is going down compared to guys who can actually do both roles. Yeah, it really does seem like there's a, a just a really strong emphasis on um, you know the, the five or at least four tool player um, yeah. and, and getting guys who don't really you know leave you a weakness anywhere. So we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, you know, and then the other thing about that is that if um, if I'm Tony Clark, the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association, I am calling everyone who is even a threat to sign an extension and telling them to please God, do not do it. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of flies in the face of everything that major league teams are doing right now, which is you extend them young and you extend them cheap. Yep. Yep. And that's the way you got to do it. And the Tigers should definitely be looking to do that with some people. Um, they may have just missed the boat with Nick. Um, you know, he's only got two years left, so we'll have to see, but I could see like, if you really front loaded that deal to where it's like, okay, instead of, whatever he's making this year, seven, and then maybe 11 or 12 next year. Like, all right, we're going to pay you, you know, 15 million a year, the next two seasons. And then we'll go, you know, 12 per the next three or something like that. You know, you get that change up front. Um, you know, and I, I believe Nick lives in Florida, so that's tax free. So yeah, he's not a dumb kid. I think that you look at what the market is doing and he's got to be watching what happened with JD Martinez and, you know, watching these other guys just languish. And I think a lot of what will happen will depend on, you know, A, if the Tigers make a decent offer, and B, if he thinks that he can, you know, milk the market. And I don't know that there is the kind of market for Nick that he thinks there might be. And there's also, you know, what does he think about the Tigers, um, you know, future? Like, you know, how long does he really... When he takes a look at some of these guys he's playing with, does he kind of see like, okay, you know, a couple of years we might have enough of a core here where if they spend some money, we could be right back in the thick of things. Um, so that's going to, you would assume, be part of his assessment as well. So, yeah. yep. So, yeah, we're liking Nick. Um, you know, I have, I've liked um, what I've seen from Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd both. Uh, I've seen Liriano once and he looked very Liriano-ish, like a little <laughs> bit. A little bit wild, a little bit too nibbly around the edges, but then, you know, when he needs it, he can punch some people out with that slider. So uh, he's useful, absolutely. Um, I'd kind of prefer to see him in the bullpen, but um, that's not going to happen, at least to start with. So 
those guys have been good. Ryan Carpenter of the, um, he was a major league signing, but kind of of the guys who haven't, you know, who's basically still a rookie, um, has pretty has been pretty impressive um, as a starter this spring as well, and has pitched some pretty good innings and struck out quite a few guys. So I'll be curious to see how he performs as kind of um, as as depth there. So that's another one um, to kind of pay attention to and whether or not he can he can produce something. Um, I think I mentioned last week that he was kind of one of the Cato All-Stars last week, and someone kind of asked me to elaborate on that. And Cato, um, I can't remember who it's named for. It's a, a Japanese baseball player, basically. But the idea behind Cato is that instead of um, scouting with the eye test and metrics like spin rate and exit velocity, it's grading uh, minor league players basically by their numbers at various levels and um, adjusting those by the league and the competition that they faced and using that to kind of project which minor leaguers are likely to produce value in the next couple of years. And the Tigers were clearly um, looking at that list because guys like Mark Montgomery, Kevin Comer, um, and Ryan Carpenter were all pretty high up there. Um, I believe it's Chris Stewart for Fangraphs who um, who puts those out every year, those projections. He did, but he'll no longer be doing them after this year. He got a real job. Yep, that's what happens when you're good. So, so yeah, that's Cato, and that's, that's kind of what the basis of that system is. So, you know, if you're wondering about the Tigers um, and their theoretically developing analytics department. Um, I don't know what to say about that at this point until we see a little bit more, but at very least they read Chris Stewart's um, Cato article, which is probably progress. <laughs> so it's, we'll you know, it's, be- it's better than nothing. So we can at least see that as a positive light. Yeah. We have a bunch of questions tonight, so I want to get to those pretty quick um, before sure. we wrap it up. But one thing we should do um, this week and next week, like next week, maybe we can do a national league kind of version of this, but for the American League, um, who are your division winners right now, and who do you like in the wild card? Let's let's just kind of go through and and kind of take a look at what we think is going to happen this year. Oh Lord, um, I mean, you got to like the Astros, obviously. In the yeah, the Astros are obviously your West choice. I still think the Indians have got it in the Central. Um, although I I'm, I think the Twins are going to put up some good numbers and be interesting. I do like that they got Lance Lynn, and I, I think Jose yeah. Barrios is, is on the verge of breaking out into a, you know one of the better starting pitchers in the game. So we'll see. I think they would do well to trade Miguel Sano and see what they could get for him, but that's just me. And I feel like the Twins fans out there listening to this will be like, what the hell is she saying? That's a but bad, like- bad situation, yeah. I feel like he, I mean, yes, he was, you know, their their guy for the the home run derby last year, and they love him, but I feel like now is the time to move him, um, and that's just my yeah, and I'm not, no hot take. And um, I'm just, I do wonder, though, like, if, uh, you know, I, how, like, I just, I just don't know, like, if I was a team, I don't know if I want him either, I'm, I mean... You know, we don't like to talk about this topic too much and get into anything that's like kind of beyond baseball if possible, but I'm just going to do it for a second. But, you know, Miguel Sano deserves, you know, from everything I've read to be suspended, you know, for at least a year. Like Major League Baseball needs to just like put the fucking hammer down on Miguel Sano right now. Um, Sorry, Twins fans, but your boy is a scumbag. And he needs to be uh, he needs to be put away for a little while and, you know, and kind of you know, do whatever it takes to kind of, re, you know, rehabilitate his image or at least, you know, kind of serve some kind of penance here before, you know, you're going to let him back out in a baseball field in an, as an entertainer um, that people are theoretically supposed to pay you money to come see. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is kind of a test for Rob Manfred. I mean, he's run his mouth all off season about all kinds of, you know, minor weird issues. Um, this is serious. And this is the kind of thing where baseball hasn't done very well 
um, in the past, um, is behind, you know, quite a few of the other sports actually. Um, you know, I won't say that about football because football has its own problems, but, um, something's yeah. gotta be, something's gotta change, um, in the way they, they deal with this kind of issue. Um, you can go read about it yourself. Um, you know, well, I, and especially in a situation where this wasn't like a home thing, this was somebody who worked with the team. Yeah. Um, and it was a pretty, pretty bad and messed up thing that happened. So yeah, no, I agree with you and yeah, we're not going to get too big into it, but uh, I think you're right. A lot of teams may want to not go anywhere near that. Um, but I think the twins should be among them. And if you can move them for a team that, that doesn't care about that history and just wants pop in their bat. And the other thing is that, like, I mean, he was injured at the last end of last season. He's not, he's not young. And I think I mean, he's kind of, kind of young, but yeah, I know what you're saying. He hasn't really turned into the, you know, the Aaron judge type that people thought yeah. he might be. So yeah, we will see. Anyway, so I think the twins will do something interesting this year, but I don't think it'll be enough to give them the season. Um, I think that'll still go to the Indians uh, unless they manage to mess something up incredibly. Um, I think in the East, you're probably looking at yeah. This is where it gets tough. Yeah, I'm gonna say the Yankees too. Although, yeah, it's just hard to say. Boston could definitely be a threat. So, um, I feel like, and this is gonna be tray unpopular, that the wild card teams will be the Red Sox and the Rays. Um, I still think they got it in them and you can circle back to this at the end of the season and tell me how wrong I was. That's fine. Um, but they are often a team that surprises and makes really strong pickups at the the break. So I am, I'm curious to see what they do. Um, yeah, I'd feel feel a little better about the Rays if, if they had Honeywell, like had that one extra starter back where they could kind of make a move, um, somewhere during the season and bring him up. Maybe maybe move someone else um, if needed. Um, I just have a hard time seeing them catch both. Yeah, I just can't see them catching Boston and New York both. Um, I I honestly kind of think Toronto is a bit of a sleeper in that division as well. Um, they've made a couple savvy little moves, and you know if if their rotation is healthy, if Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman can kind of get past some of the nagging issues, and Roberto is Osuna as well, their closer. Um, that's a pretty dangerous team too. So I, yeah, I think the Rays are going to have it tough. I, you know, I'm tempted. I'm, I'm definitely taking the Red Sox to take the first wild card spot, and I'm really tempted to take the Angels, except that they need to go sign Alex Cobb right now. Oh my God! Why is Alex Cobb still not have a job? I don't know, but they need. They, in fact, they should go sign Alex Cobb, and they should sign Greg Holland because they're, you know. Billy Epler's done great work over there to rebuild their infield, um, getting Upton over there. Um, he, he pieced together a bullpen out of, like, failed starters and broken-down toys. Um, it was pretty impressive, and I think he's 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 got them in position where if things break right, they could take a wild card this year. But they need to really make a push because, you know, Mike Trout's not getting any younger. Um, he's still, whatever, 25, 26, but... Um, you know, you don't want to be waiting two or three more years before, like, you, you've got the pitching staff behind him to, to really support yeah. him. So I would really like well, to see them go and do that. I kind of thought they might be in play like for Arietta. Yeah, it looks like Otani had a bit of a rough start in spring, too. So I feel like maybe you you do bulk up a bit on that pitching, and it would be a smart choice for them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, Otani as a hitter probably just isn't going to work out. Um, hitting Major League pitching is tough enough without having never seen it before and then coming over and maybe, you know, t- getting a few at-bats a week. Um, it's just really hard to see that working out. But um, as a pitcher, his stuff looks good. 
But again, I mean, there's just a lot of transition there. So I think, yeah, expecting him to come out and even be like a, a mid-rotation starter who's consistent for you might be asking a little bit too much. Um, Especially in your first season. Yeah, I mean, he's capable of doing that for sure. I mean, the breaking ball and the splitter are just absolutely just dynamic. I mean, those are some nasty fucking pitches. breaking ball is disgusting. It's so beautiful. Like, the break on it at the end. Like, if you find um, Pitching Ninja on Twitter. Rob Friedman. And find, find the gifts of it because, holy buckets, is it just gross. Yeah. Like... And speaking of like gross pitches, Justin Verlander has looked oh. so good this spring. Oh yeah, like, he is Verlander of old, and he looks so good. Yeah, he looks better than he did in October, um, which is freakish for him. He doesn't usually start seasons off Mm-mm. going that hard, but whoa, he's looking good. But yeah, the only thing I can can compare Otani's breaking ball to is like. Corey Kluber or Jose Fernandez a slider at their absolute best with that like frisbee break where you know it the the change of direction doesn't look like something a baseball should be capable of doing it and woo. looks edited like the way yeah. it drops is just unbelievable you just look at pitchers shake their like batters shake their heads <laughs> after yeah. because it's unhittable like I it's it really is insane the drop on it it's so beautiful yeah. And, you know, and the guy's throwing, you know, 98 to 100. So, I mean, you know, you know, I've, I've watched him enough and I've heard this from other people. Like, the fastball is pretty straight. But, um, and he, so he's probably going to have to kind of learn to use the fastball effectively in the major leagues. He's going to have to pitch inside. He's going to have to lo- have to locate kind of up, down on both sides of the plate and not let people get comfortable. Because they can hit 100 if it's straight, um, if, if they kind of have a sense of where it's coming and, and when it's coming. But, yeah, the potential is there. But, um, yeah, they need another pitcher over there in Los Angeles. they got to get gotta, something. Got to watch a lot of Andrew Miller tape and learn how to paint those corners. Yeah, yeah. Oof. That's another oh, guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, Andrew Miller. Man, I hate the Indians, but I love some of their players so much. Yeah, they've also got one player that I really don't like, but... Uh... <laughs> But he's good too. I mean, that's a it's a talented staff. It's going to be interesting to see how that rotation and bullpen plays with Brian Shaw, who kind of held the held that deep bullpen together. Um, gone. Danny Salazar has been injured this year, and they're going to be, you know, actually leaning on Mike Clevenger and um, and Trevor Bauer this year and Josh Tomlin rather than just kind of like those guys kind of pitching in. Um, they might need a little bit more from them this year. So. And Mickey Calloway has moved on to manage the Mets um, and become the gatekeeper of Thor's hammer. So, which is a good deal. I'm sure, I'm sure he's having, <laughs> he's enjoying watching, you know, Noah Syndergaard pitch for him every day, but yeah, I, you know, I got to think the Cleveland Indians are still the team to beat. I, you know, I like that the twins got Lynn, um, losing Irvin Santana kind of hurts them and they still need something to break their way. So, ah, do I want them as my second wildcard team? I think I'm going to take them just because I need to see, I need to see the Angels sign one more pitcher because I just think that rotation and bullpen is still pretty sketchy, um, and there isn't that much coming up behind it in the minor leagues. They've got a you know just a metric crap ton of like solid outfield prospects and not that much else. So yeah. there isn't really going to be much help coming from the farm. So yeah, I'll take I'll take the Twins and the Red Sox to take the wild cards, and then yeah, go Astros, Yankees, and Indians, um, and we'll see if if that kind of uh, reign of terror by those three teams. Um, can hold up for one more season. I mean, I'd I'd personally like if I had to pick, I'd love to see the Mariners take a wild card. Like, I would just like I want to see that scrappy little team do something. I they've I, tried I, so hard. 
They've I have done so, so many much feeling things. like poor Jerry Depoto just does so many trades and he just wants it so bad. I would love, like, I, I don't think they'll go anywhere beyond that, but I would love to see the Mariners uh, get to that wild card. Like, the nice thing about knowing the Tigers aren't going to go there is that I can have these little pipe dreams about teams that I have a soft spot for. Yeah. And I know, it's like, kind of like you can indulge like some of your interests yeah, in other players. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah, I'd love to see the Mariners do a little something this year. Yep, so would I, especially, you know, with Ichiro in there, um, you know, Felix kind of like, getting old. You know, Felix, I don't know if Felix Hernandez has ever pitched in the playoffs, and god damn, that's a crime. That's just a right? crime. It would just be nice. It would be nice to have that, like, you know, movie-perfect farewell season for Ichiro, like, it's just a script waiting to happen, and I want to see it work out that way for them. Yep, I would be happy to see that happen as well. Um, yeah, I don't expect it, but no. but, but they did. You know, there's I'm I don't a romantic, know romantic, but I'm also a realist. I know, you know, it's like r- romanticism with like um, yeah, the lessons of age, unfortunately. Yeah, souring a note on everything, but yeah, so we'll see. Good luck, Mariners. Uh, maybe you can get something done. I don't like the Rangers. I'm not interested. I think uh, the Rangers. Pitching staff is, by and large, hot garbage, and uh, I don't know. I've They're hanging on by a thread, in my opinion. I haven't but... forgiven the Rangers for 2011, and I never will. So, mm, yep, those monsters. Damn it, Ron Washington! How dare you? I know it was all Nelson Cruz's fault, but he is actually it really a really was. nice dude. <laughs> I know. So it's I, my my hatred for Cruz has burned off in the last year, but I still hate the Rangers. I know I hated him for a long time too, and was still like, ah, eh, you know, PED suspension, blah blah blah. But you know, he hasn't popped in like five years, and has continued to just mash thirty to forty home runs every single season with no problem. So yeah, obviously pretty... he didn't need the juice, whatever he was doing. Can't stay mad at him for long. I know. Okay, Nelson Cruz, you're back in the circle of trust. You're forgiven. <laughs> All right, let's go to the podcast page where we ask for some listener questions. Um, our managing editor, Rob Rojacki, has one question for us that is nonsense. But we'll ask it answered. anyway. Yeah, oh, you did answer it. How long until Ron Gardner unplugs the computers? <laughs> and what are the odds he breaks a toe kicking the damn thing? I, you know what? I don't have an answer for that, but I do think it's interesting that we've already kind of seen like these two sides of the Tigers coaching staff where Chris Basio, you know, has been in a very progressive organization in Chicago for the past five years, is used to having like all the latest technology, the latest information, the latest toys to play with. And he's kind of buttoned up against, you know, Mr. Old School himself, Ron Gardenhire, and going to be interesting to see how some of these decisions kind of shake out um, between the two of them with the pitching staff because you know Gardy kind of has this like you know deference to veterans uh-huh. kind of attitude where all you young guys all have to prove it and Chris Basio is much more of like a reasonable you know human being without all that nonsense <laughs> in my estimation so yeah I don't yeah, know we'll just see how it goes. Kind of weird balance of it like Gardy's kind of got that old school sparky feel to him yeah but he doesn't have the team that Sparky had, which is the problem. Yeah, or Jim so, Leland had, yeah, for that matter. Yeah, he's 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 very much set in his way. So it, we'll see. Like I like you said, we've been seeing some interesting stuff with them wanting to see those different roles. But I think that a lot of that is Bosio. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. One thing you know, one thing I have noticed, um, and I've also seen like Chris Brown was kind of mentioning this the other day to me too. Is there's that you know one thing that the, he's seen in Guardy is that he hasn't sacrificed Blunted hardly at all the spring training. Yes. And that that might be a sign of progress, or it might just be spring training. So let these guys hit. Um, I'm not real sure. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. 
But in most other in most other areas, I think some of the optimism that Ron Gardenhire had gone through some kind of, you know, road to Damascus level conversion to sabermetrics and analytics um, is probably um, mostly just PR to get the job or for the Tigers to promote him when they got the job because it seemed like the Tigers wanted him no matter what. Um, by the time they signed him, I mean, they almost made it sound exactly how a lot of us would have suspected it was, which is just that it was kind of a foregone conclusion and that, um, you know, his interviews were largely perfunctory as, as were other candidates. And they were pretty much set on taking Gardy um, from the beginning. So, yeah, you know, at least he, as we've been, been saying, at least he's likable. Um, he gives some good quotes. He's he probably going to drive us nuts. So. Yeah. He's probably going to drive us nuts a little bit. Oh, well. But at least he, I think the nice thing is that he won't take himself nearly as seriously as Osmus did. So at least it'll be a little bit easier to stomach it when things go terribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that might be, you know, he might, um, it might just make the, the medicine go down because we're all, we're all due for some nasty tasting camphor oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called castor oil, excuse me, this season. It's going to um, be a bitter season. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a season where interest in players trumps interest in team, which is not something we're very familiar with of late. So over the, well, over the last decade, really. So it's going to be a kind of different view of, uh of the Tigers and, and the, the coverage that we provide is going to emphasize the minor leagues much more than it has um, in recent, in, you know, past years. So it's kind of all reflected in that. Um, let's see, Mr. Sunshine. I love Mr. Sunshine. Who's, uh, who's Sig says that he likes pie and he, he is a master of geology. So if you have Ooh. geology needs, you can go to Mr. Sunshine. We were actually talking about that uh, Rocky Mountains documentary that I, that I brought up on the podcast last week and he was schooling me on some things. That was cool. Um, but he asks, who would you have as starters for the rotation and position players? I think we covered that. Is there any yeah. free agent left that you wish the Tigers would sign outside of Greg Holland, who we've we already kind of discussed a little bit last week? And that's a tough one. I, you know, I mean, I don't. It's tough because I don't. I wouldn't be mad if they signed Alex Cobb. I mean, that'd be I was fine just going to say that. I'm like, if they didn't care and he was willing to take a deal, I'd love to see them sign Alex Cobb. He's excellent, but yep. I mean, he's not going to be around for the length of time that they would need to be good. But he would make for some really watchable baseball this season. Yep, and probably, you know, and probably, to, you know, to some level, some trade bait. Um, yeah. But all these teams who are like, oh, we don't need Alex Cobb right now. You know, in July are going to be like, oh hell yeah, we need Alex Cobb. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that could change. Um, you know, the Tigers haven't really done anything in a market where there are all kinds of values to be had. Um, you know, the Yankees picked up Neil Walker, who's been like a two to three war second baseman for like a freaking decade for what was it like five million dollars, four million and incentives. Uh. And today it came out. It wasn't that just Neil Walker was willing to take a cheaper deal because Yankees. It was that nobody offered him anything. Yeah, which is just like, baffling. It's insane to me. Like, and he's such a perfect fit. He's such a perfect fit in New York too, because he's played. You know, he played for the Mets. He knows what to expect with the media and stuff. Um, Like, that's just the rich getting so much richer this off season. So annoyed. Giancarlo falls into their lap, and then yeah, like oh, we just pick up a solid second baseman for you know like pocket money. Ugh. so frustrated. Yeah, I mean, I, other than that, you know, Carlos Gonzalez apparently has has re-signed with the Rockies, so... And that's know. a great example. I'm using that one when I talk about my Nick extension in that the, the Rockies had offered him an early extension, which he declined to enter free agency, and now he's on, what, a $5 million, $6 million one-year deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, and his original deal would have netted him something like 15 million a year. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not averse to the idea that the Tigers, you know, should kind of like tacitly just tank and not, and not do a whole lot. But there's also the point of view that when there's that much value to be had, um, you know, you're really kind of screwing up to just let all these guys go by. Like there's, you know, there's gotta be somebody we could pick up here. And for a team that is in a rebuild mode, I think getting those guys that could be July trade bait are is is more valuable in in the immediate future than hoping for a draft pick that you might get if you tank effectively enough against seven other teams that are tanking. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I feel like they're so below the luxury tax threshold that why not spend a couple million dollars to pick up guys to make a fun first half season who can show their stuff is it like an extended showcase to other teams and then move those guys at at the July trade deadline. I just yeah. I, I don't understand why they're sitting on their hands. I mean, you know, you were talking about, you know, intangibles earlier and how, you know, obviously some of the kind of things that we that baseball fans used to talk about in terms of intangibles have been, you know, cast to the wayside over the years um, by just understanding um, a little bit more what the data tells us about, you know, how the game is actually played, what actually is meaningful. But you also see teams like the Cubs, um, the Astros. There are plenty of teams who will talk, you know, openly about, you know, trying to find guys who fit, like, their clubhouse, who play a style of baseball that they want um, their younger players to see. And so, you know, doing those things isn't isn't a bad idea. They're none of You know, none of these guys we're talking about is going to change, you know, the likelihood that the Tigers finish, you know, last or, or bottom five at minimum. So... You know, I mean, we've seen Adam Lind, who, you know, maybe could have been kind of a, you know, a part-time DH, part-time pinch hitter or something like that. He doesn't really fit here. You could have picked him up for the hell of it just to bring him into camp. He signed on, a, you know, just a minor league contract. Um, the same thing was true for, and this is the one that really bothered me, was Tyler Clippard. Um, Tyler Clippard has been a pretty damn good reliever for a long time and had a bad year last year. Um, he gets a lot of fly balls, um, and he's he's definitely one of those guys who suffered a bit from the home run revolution. But you put him in Comerica Park, um, get him pitching away to where guys are driving, you know, their best, you know, their best hits to deep center field in Comerica Park. They're not leaving the park, and you've got Leonis Martin out there. Um, that would have been a smart move, in my opinion, to to, to pick him up and put him out there. Yeah. Um, right now, you know, Mike Fares is, or Fires is looking like ah, that. Damn it. Into your head. <laughs> Mike, Mike Fires is kind of looking like a guy that, you know, I didn't, I like the signing when they, they got it. There's a chance that he could, um, he could prove a durable and useful starter. Um, and I wouldn't take too much out of his spring training numbers to kind of say that he won't be that. But, um, you know, in retrospect, you know, it was, it was hard to see the way the market was going to play out, but maybe they could have done substantially better by by simply just chilling <laughs> which i ah. which is kind of something that came up you know back when they signed mike pelfrey after the 2015 season that had they just kind of waited the way they did with justin upton and they paid you know full price for justin upton but there were still a lot of other players um available at that point that year that they kind of kind of plugged in to be a fifth starter and they kind of jumped the gun trying to you know beat people out and you just kind of wonder you know it's just a little knock on the tigers that maybe they're they're still kind of thinking in 19 or 19, 2014, kind of 2015 terms rather than 2017, 2018 terms. So, you know, I don't really have any guys out there though, honestly, that I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here like, you know, regretting and upset that the Tigers didn't pick up. There just hasn't been, there hasn't been a lot of point in it and there hasn't really been anybody, you know, that would be desperately helpful. So 
not going to worry about it too much. Um, let's see the next question. What is Je- Jacoby Jones' future from former FTW? Is he destined to play center field or is he going to become a super utility guy? Um, he also asked if he can play second base. Um, he could play second base. He played shortstop in the minor leagues. Um, he might not be a starting second baseman defensively, but he won't hurt himself there. Uh, what do you think about that? I kind of feel like unless he can hit much better than he has, he's probably going to end up in that super utility role at some point, kind of doing a lot of things, pinch running, filling in on the infield, um, playing center field for you when, when needed. But it's hard to see him as a starting center fielder unless he can cut down the strikeouts um, yeah. fairly and substantially. Unless, and he's 25. He a, yeah, Unless he becomes a guy that they can use in a leadoff role because this team loves putting center fielders in the leadoff role. <laughs> yeah, they want the um, speed there. That they, I don't know. I see the utility role working well for him if he can kind of hone those existing infield skills that he has, continue to do well in the outfield, that he becomes a, a really good utility guy for you. But yeah, I, I think you're right. If he can't improve his bat, that there's not a really solid future there for him as a starting center fielder. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, you know, obviously they'd like him to be a center fielder. And outside of Derek Hill, Jacoby Jones is probably the best center fielder in the entire organization. So he doesn't have to hit a lot. Um, I'd be perfectly happy with, you know, Jacoby Jones, you know, being a league average bat who plays above average center field, runs the base as well. Um, And I don't think that's out of the question. He has to become league average. That's the problem. Yep. And that mainly comes to the the swing and miss. So it's been nice to see him draw walks um, and and look like he's recognizing spin a little bit better this spring. But, um, you know, it's just really hard to kind of parse those spring training numbers because pitchers are out there throwing all curveballs because it's their worst pitch and they're working on it. Sometimes you just don't know, you know, you just don't know what the, what the emphasis of the the team you're competing against is at that point in the spring. I think a lot of his problem last season was getting into his own head and trying way too hard. Like you saw him really aggressive early swinging on things. Like it was a, a lot of really ugly at bats for him last season. So hopefully he maybe got over that and, yeah. and realized that he doesn't have to prove he doesn't have to hit a 12 run home run every time he's at bat, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. um, that sometimes just getting to first base is important. So um, maybe we'll see a little bit more maturity out of him this season, which would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it does, you know, it does bear in mind that, you know, you always look for these kind of like things outside of actual performance that might've affected them. And I mean, he did get hit in the face, which can put some guys off their yeah. feet a little bit. He has kind of moved positions quite a bit since the Tigers got him. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things that, that kind of extend a guy's timeline a little bit for me. And, yeah, I haven't given up on Jacoby Jones as a starter yet, but um, that's that's going to be determined this year. Like, he's either going to come on and, and not strike out so much this year and put the ball in play, and as long as he does that, his speed's going to make it work, um, the speed and the power. So if he can do that, awesome. If he can't do that this year, then, yeah, you're probably looking at a utility guy. Um, and then the final question we'll answer tonight about baseball anyway is uh, if the Tigers team if this Tigers team wins ninety games who gets <laughs> who gets more credit Al Avila Ron Gardenhire or intense solar flares um, and I solar flares yeah Some I'm, witchcraft yeah my first thought was Satan um, yeah or possibly Absolutely. a chicken I, who has gone missing and died recently that has been 
like a severed head at an altar. So there's no effing way the Tigers are winning 90 games this season. I know. I'm Sorry, trying to. Dreamers. I mean, and obviously he realizes that and he's cracking up when he says no, that. I mean, but... It's just that this is the best question I've heard all night. Thank you. Yeah. Who asked this? Uh, Tim Bob Amote. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> Who is a good commenter. I've talked to him quite a few times. Um, I'm trying to think like what it would take. Yeah. Besides, you know, me drenched in blood naked at midnight at the trade deadline um holding the headless chicken that i have just sacrificed to the dark ones al would get the oh he got lucky narrative a hundred percent guardy would get the like i I think bosio would get more depending on how those wins were were collected but it'll be guardy everybody will be like it's all guardy the the absolute nod for the the success absolutely osmus cost us two world series like that's what you'll hear that that was that's what would that that would all come down to i tried to wrap my head tigers twitter i know exactly how this would go what uh i'm just trying to think of what 90 games would even look like like obviously miggy comes back and rakes nick has a monster year victor how to be really healthy and have some speed yeah, Matuk um, builds on last year. I mean, hits really well. Dixon and Jamer are good. Home run year. Yeah, and then you know Norris, Boyd, and Fulmer all have to have like three five or below ERAs and pitch 180 innings. Um, yeah, and Joe Jimenez turns out to be a stud. Season from Fulmer. Yep. Um, and yeah, you gotta have you gotta have more bullpen. You know, like Green, I expect to be good. Like, but... Yeah, picked up pick up Holland at the trade deadline. Mm. Um, so you get yeah. that. Oh, that's true. We have... could we could yeah. trade. For, that's true. We do have a, a, enough of a farm now. We could trade for a lot of good pieces at the deadline. Yeah, if, yeah. If they so kept like themselves they, in it. They're really high up. Yeah, this is how you build the ninety win Tigers. That you're just like what rebuild, and you just ditch everything you worked the entire off season for, uh, and like bring in everybody that's still a free agent. But <laughs> yeah, I know we're like trade man- trade for Manny Machado to take over at short, and then uh, we we trade Jake Rogers and Daz Cameron and Franklin Perez, and then probably like another piece to get Verlander back. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. God, just no. crush my soul. It is kind of funny to think about, though. I know, like, early in the season, you and I kind of tossed around some, like, <clears throat> like wild scenarios. Like, the Tigers have a farm system now. They could trade for all kinds of people. Like, what crazy moves would they have to make to, to make this a possibility this year? But it is not a possibility this year. So please, please abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Yeah, sorry. If they, yeah, if they win a 90-win season, it is because of some sort of pact with Satan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, because, or because it'll be proven. Like I'll, it'll be proven. Twenty-eight other teams have vanished, and they are only playing the Padres for the rest of the year. Yep. I'm trying. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like all the arms on the Indians and Twins and I don't know White Sox. Everybody just like blows out their elbow all spontaneously, and we just waltz in. I don't. I just I don't know. It's hard to even conceive of such a thing. But baseball is so weird that I know for a fact that the Tigers winning 90 games is not impossible. Like you can open Schrodinger's box at some point, you know, and and, and that's the result. Season in there, yeah, absolutely. But it's supremely unlikely. Supremely unlikely. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> all right, I think that's enough. That's like that's a good last question um, because now we're just all punchy and our imaginations are running wild. Um, so okay, like break it down for me. You, you said you had a couple good book, book recommendations. Yeah, Let's I think do we do that this every two weeks. We you brought this up last time. Um, I am reading three right now that are pretty solid. Uh, I'm doing the audiobook version of Trevor Noah's uh, memoir, Born a Crime. 
Um, Trevor Noah is the Daily Show host who took over for Jon Stewart. Um, it's all about his like childhood growing up in South Africa under apartheid, uh, and about his unbelievably amazing mother. Um, and it's it's fascinating. I'm about 25% of the way through it right now, and he reads it. He does. He speaks in sections of like six different African languages, and he's just absolutely incredible, incredible life. So I highly recommend that. Um, I'm reading, uh, the Kalevala, yeah. uh, which I just started. It is a Finnish epic poem kind of in the same vein as like the Iliad or the Odyssey. Um, so right now we're just kind of in the opening section where it's like the creation of all things. Um, and it's, it's pretty fast now, obviously not reading it in the original Finnish. I am reading <laughs> a, <laughs> uh, a, a translated version, but I've had it sitting on my shelf for a while. And I keep meaning to read it, so I'm kind of taking it upon myself to do one section a night. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's divided into, like, smaller poems within the epic poem. Um, so I've started reading that. Um, I actually discovered this poem because of an art exhibit I saw several years ago by a, um, a photographer named Arno Raphael Minkinen, who's a Finnish photographer whose work I highly recommend anybody look up. He does self-portraits um, that he does without a timer, with a timer, but no Photoshop. Like, it, And it's astonishing to see the effects that he's created without using any kind of um, computer enhancement. Um, so it'll be like, it'll be just his hand on something or him folded into the scenery of, of a setting or him just emerging from a lake. Like they're really really remarkable pieces and he did a show once that was built around the Kalevala as an inspiration oh awesome um so yeah if you ever get a chance look up Arno Raphael Minkinen's work um and I'm reading the Kalevala right now and then the third one I'm reading is a book called All Be Gone in the Dark um by Michelle McNamara who was the uh late wife of comedian Patton Oswalt um, and she ran a blog called True Crime Diary or True Crime, something similar to that. And um, she became obsessed with the uh, the case of the Golden State Killer, who was actually the original Night Stalker um, before uh, Richard Ramirez, I think, yeah. is now considered the Night Stalker. Yep. Um, the name got kind of passed around a bit. And anyway, so it's her research and all of her work um, following the story of this um, this serial rapist who became a serial killer um, through the late 70s and early 80s. And um, I'd heard about the case on My Favorite Murder, which is an amazing podcast. And um, uh, it, it really gets in depth on it. And unfortunately, she died before she could finish the book. So it's largely written by her and then pieced together with work from her editors and research assistants. And um, I'm halfway through it right now, and it's really deeply readable and um, really, really well done. You'll probably notice a theme as we do more of these that I do read a fair bit of true crime. Um, but I, I find it very fascinating. How can, so. how can you not if, you know, if you're a mystery writer? So. Well, yeah, well, yeah exactly. exactly. So it's, and it's always kind of tickled my fancy. So I like finding, um, you know, writers that do it really well that aren't like, they don't dive into like the, the really uh, tawdry aspects of it, but they really build a human story. Um, and kind of pull you along with the whole thing. So uh, I'd highly recommend all three of the books that I'm reading right now. Uh, 
possibly not the Kalevala unless you are into epic uh, Finnish poetry. <laughs> yeah, or any kind of epic poetry. I mean, if you like, like you know, so far, and it's not a complicated read. Like, yeah, it's not. It it feels kind of like um, a, a mythology story told in in fairly simple terms in poem. So it's it's not a, a really deep. It's not. Not the hardest poetry I've read by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, if you liked Beowulf, if you read, you know, Homer, um, or, you know, kind of, kind of anything along the, those lines, um, the Kalevala's um, worth checking out. It's, it, I thought I liked it. Um, it's been a long time since I read it. Um, I had to read a couple papers on it, actually, but that's been oof, over 20 years. So, yeah, I don't remember too much about it, but I do remember that it was a pretty enjoyable and interesting read. It, um, it, you had to kind of push a, yourself a little bit, but... It okay. is a beastly tome. Yeah. Like, it is 700 pages long. Um, yeah, no, it is exactly 666 pages long. Oh, dang. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm doing one a night, so it'll take me probably two months to finish, but uh, at that point, it won't have felt too like too much of a slog what about you what do you got on your pile um you know i actually i haven't read that much in the past week just been kind of busy like some personal stuff going on but um i started reading patrick rothfuss's the name of the wind which a lot of people have told me is a a fantasy series that um a non-fantasy reader would get into so that's been really good so far um i'm eh, what am i about 90 pages into it and, and i'm i'm at the point of like knowing that i'm hooked so that's been pretty good and i'm looking forward to uh, the fact that there's another book and hopefully a third book sometime in the semi semi near future although my game of thrones experience tells me to be wary of that well i mean rothfuss i think may be a little bit more reliable we'll yeah. see about it like, he's it's... younger he's got less like you know billion yeah. dollar deals to administer or whatever the yeah, hell he's still to, like normal people book signings an author i know uh chloe neal was just at a book signing with him like last week um so that's kind of cool uh yeah that one's been on my pile for a while so let me know how it is yeah so far it's, it's been pretty good um but I haven't really, you know, the only other thing I'm actually, I've been reading is The Cubs Way um, by Tom Verducci, um, who, let's see, where is that? At? He's, um, he writes for Sports Illustrated, and that's sort of like the whole story of the Cubs um, rebuilding efforts all the way to the championship, and a lot of like the, you know, the, the theory that, um, you know, Joe Madden, Chris Basio, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, that whole kind of kind of unit brought to um brought to baseball as they came over from um the red sox where they'd kind of like pioneered a lot of things so that's been pretty interesting i read that earlier in the season i'm just kind of rereading that to get ready to write some articles and then the other thing i've got in my hands which i haven't started yet but i am going to make an effort to read is wolf in white van by um john darniel who is the lead singer for um the band the mountain goats and writes their lyrics um fantastic lyricist um I'm not always such a huge fan of their music, but um, he's a really good songwriter, hell of a lyric writer, um, and so far it's been pretty interesting, but I'm only a few pages into it. But I've had it recommended to me for like two years straight, and people badgering me to read it. So we're going to give that a try, but um, yeah, my reading has actually been kind of slack this week. So I think that's allowed. Yeah, once in a while it's got to happen. So, all right, um, we're going to wrap it up tonight. Um, so, ooh, this is a fairly long one. <laughs> It happens when we get together. But um, yeah, please follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. You can follow me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. And you can also find us, um, if you are, as we mentioned earlier, if you're interested in donating to us, um, becoming a patron of the site and of the podcast, please go to our Patreon site at www.patreon.com backslash Boys. 
And you can help us out there. Um, we'll see you again next week. And I'm not sure what we have for you next week, but we'll uh, we'll figure something out. I think Emily's going to be in spring training, so we won't have her till the week after. Um, maybe we'll bring Rob on next week and mess around. Yeah, some sort of story will emerge, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So everybody have a good night. Ashley, have a great night. Thanks. Good night. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.